American Hammers Radio with Tex and Liam from the Fresno Irons. Hello and welcome into another edition of American Hammers Radio. We are back and better than ever as always joined by the man, the myth, the legend, the one with more hair and makes me jealous every time I see it, Liam Bright. Liam, how are you doing this evening? Oh, just fantastic. Always always lovely to chat with the one and only Tex from the Fresno Irons. More infamous than famous. Let's always make that distinction. Yes, um, this is This is season three, episode number three. Um, coming off a West Ham draw. So in three games this year, Liam, we've acquired seven points, remain number two in the table behind the North London uh, totten shit. <laughs> Uh, but you know, of course that that's the West Ham way. If anybody's going to take the top spot for us, of course it has to be Tottenham and we have to deal with that, especially after all the stuff we thought that we were going to be able to take away. Um, but Tottenham, you know, whatever they're up there. Uh, West Ham come off a two, two draw against palace, start off the game brilliantly. We're definitely the better team in the first half, get a gorgeously worked goal from Pablo Fornell. some really tricky passing on that. Um, and then, of course, the Chelsea Loney Gallagher um, has to – his name's Gallagher, right? Yeah. He's, yeah, he's a yeah, big man like, City fan, I believe. Um, yeah. God, he was not my wonder wall in that fucking game. I was going to say he's probably a big fan of watermelons, so, you know. Yeah, well, don't look back She wants anger. the Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't look back in anger. My God. Uh, you know, Gallagher it, – it, look, no matter what you say – it was an ugly goal, but nonetheless, of course, a team that comes in to the London Stadium hasn't scored a goal all year. Of course, they get their first one against us. Um, so then the game kind of got interesting. Crystal Palace found their footing, was getting going, and then another uh, beautiful ball uh, over the top. Antonio almost made a mess of it, but it really <laughs> it, it ends up bouncing his way, and he slots it home with a lot of power to reclaim the lead for West Ham United 2-1. And I think most Hammer fans felt we were going to go on to win the game at that point. But less than five minutes later, uh, that man Gallagher once again finds the Oasis and slots it home uh, to give a 2-2 game. And then from that point on, West Ham, I do believe, were the better side. I don't really feel the Palace had enough chances. But again, West Ham had a really great, worked ball and made a mess of it at the end. Antonio couldn't find the pass, sent it wide, and West Ham have to settle for a 2-2 draw. And I, I have to say this, Liam, before I get your thoughts on the game, I'm disappointed with the draw, don't get me wrong, but it's nice to be disappointed with a draw when in years past we would have been very happy with a draw to say, hey, we've got a point. What, what were your thoughts on the match? Well, it's funny you say that because when we uh, when we went to leave Full Circle Brewing, which which by the way, this was the first match that my wife and my daughter came to uh, in a long, long time. So it was the full, you know, the bright family was all there. It was myself, my son, my daughter, and my wife. Uh, and when we were leaving, my wife goes, "Why did you guys all act like you lost the match?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, I go, well, B, like when you think about it, any time you were leading and you." give up the goals, right, to the opposition, I it, it always kind of feels like a loss. I mean, I'm like, just like last year when we were down 3-0 to Tottenham and we came back to, to equalize, it felt like a win. Like, even though it's a draw, it still felt like a win because of the circumstances. And, you know, I was kind of telling her that of all the teams, Palace is just one of those, 
like banana peels. And I, I put on Twitter that it was fitting that they were in all yellow because they're they're definitely a banana peel team for us. Um, but I did I did enjoy the fact that we were able to to finish out the game in a way where I wasn't super worried that like Andre Ayu was going to be able to slot home that stoppage time winner like he usually does against us. So uh, I wasn't super happy with the outcome because like you said, I would have definitely preferred the win, keep the three points, kept ourselves top of the table, especially over Twatnam. But against a team like Palace, it's kind of like Brighton, you know, where even walking out with a point feels feels good. So I, I was happy with it. I think the goals were brilliantly done. I mean, that puts Antonio at four goals, three assists in only three matches. I mean, he's like the top producing striker in the Premier League. And in his own words, pretty good for a right back, you know, or not bad for a right back. So um, I'm I'm happy with the performances. I love where the goals are coming from, that it's not just Antonio. Pretty much anybody on the pitch at any any moment, even Dawson had a good look on goal uh, that probably could have found the back of the net. So I think it's... It, I'm happy with the team. I think that we've we've got our stride already, and it's nice that it's only three matches in. You know, I mean, when I really look at this thing and I think about what West Ham United have become under David Moyes in the past 12 months or so, it's nice to feel this way. And I watched that game, and this is what I think is scary for everybody in the prim. So hear me out. We have a lot of talent on that pitch, a lot of talent. Um, I think there's a lot of players playing for West Ham United right now that a lot of teams in the prim go, I wish we would have found that guy. I wish we <laughs> would have, you know, been in on Suchek or Sufal or understood, like, if you're Chelsea, why did we ever let Declan Rice walk out the door? You know, and then you look at Mikel Antonio and go, why didn't we buy, you know, Palace was one of the teams in on him uh, a couple years ago to buy him. And they're probably like, why didn't we make that happen? They felt that the valuation of Mikel Antonio was too high and they didn't do it. And then you got a guy like Jared Bowen and Saeed Benarama that came out of the championship. And th- that's just talent evaluation there by David Moyes' backroom staff, identifying good, young, hungry players. And Pablo Fornells, yes, I, I, I have to say this. I have shit on him for way too long. But the reality of the situation is, Liam, the guy like Pablo Fornells, I should give him seven cream pies and he should just be able to <laughs> throw them in my face every chance that he gets because he has proven time and time again for the about the last eight months that not only is he one of the first names on the team sheet, he's one of the reasons we're successful. Um, he's, he's a tricky player. I think he's finally found his footing. Uh, we don't see that arid pass as much nearly anymore as we did, which is what drove me so crazy about him. And I didn't understand why, but clearly, you know, the two people I shit on most David Moyes and Pablo Fornals, you could argue are two of the biggest reasons that West Ham United have turned around what they are. And we, we didn't get a chance to talk about this game. But even though it was a draw at Palace, the week prior, we dropped four goals on Leicester City. Again. And, uh, yes, <laughs> again. again. <laughs> and what's crazy is Antonio gets two more. Ben Arama got one. Fornals had one. You're, all those attacking players that we have are contributing, and they're contributing getting their names on the score sheet. That's massive for West Ham United. And it's funny that you say this because we're going to talk about this a little later in the show. What Palace and Newcastle kind of are to us, even though we exercise the demons at St. James Park game one, Palace is still a little bit of our banana peel, but we lose that game two years ago. 
We may yeah. even lose that game last year because of the momentum shift after the Gallagher goal. And so when you really break it down, West Ham United, you know, we are the banana peel for Leicester City. I love oh. it. Well, and, and you got to figure too, you kind of just alluded to it. The only players that haven't been involved in goal production so far this season are just Bowen, Ogbana, and Dawson. Like for outfield players, like obviously Fabianski hasn't. But everybody else, both of our fullbacks, both our defensive midfielders, and then three out of our four uh, attacking players. So, I mean, that's huge goal production across the board. And I think that's what will probably wake up a lot of teams this season is for them to see that and think, okay, a goal can come from anywhere. I think last season, majority of the goals, at least early on, were really coming from set pieces. So they knew, hey, watch out for the center backs. Watch out for for Suchek. Like, those are going to be your big goal threats. And then, obviously, Mickey when he's on when he's on the pitch. But this season, man, like, there's, there's nobody out there that I don't think can score a goal. And it's only a matter of time before Ogbana starts knocking him in. Zuma, which we'll get into when we talk about transfers, he's definitely a goal threat. As well, I mean, at this point, I wouldn't even be surprised if Fabianski found the back of the net. I mean, it's freaking crazy. <laughs> so it's it, it it is nice to have that, and I think that does put a lot of the other teams on notice. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what it is about Palace that just kind of trips us up because I don't even consider them rivals. Like, yes, they're another London club, and technically, all London clubs are are rivals for us. But I just don't. I've never thought of Palace on the same level as West Ham United. That has never been. In my thoughts, I've all, maybe it's me inflating our ego, but I've always put us on the same pedestals like Arsenal and and Chelsea. I don't even view Tottenham in the same light as West Ham. Like I view us as uh, one of the premier clean, uh, clubs out of London. So I don't know. I I, I it's, it pains me to see us struggle against a team like Crystal Palace. But like we said before, end of the day, I'll, I'm happy to at least walk out with a point. So let me press you on that, Liam. Let, let's let's dive into that for a minute. Why is it, do you think, a team like West Ham United do struggle with the likes of, now obviously we know what happened game one, but most of the time Newcastle tend to be an issue for us. So does Crystal Palace. A team like Brighton, they got a draw last year late in the season that really hurt us in our push for the Champions League spots. Why do we struggle with teams like Crystal Palace, Brighton, newly promoted sides? Wolves used to be a big problem for us, not much anymore. But why does that happen to West Ham United and your thoughts, Liam? So initially, and I would have said this for years past, is that I don't think we go into the match with the same mentality when it's those clubs. So I think we were viewing them as kind of like easy points, you know, and we were we were saving up that enthusiasm, that motivation for when we play Arsenal, when we play Man City, when we play Liverpool. Like these were the teams that we knew we had to show up for because we knew what a difficult match it was going to be. And I think sometimes we kind of take our foot off the gas when we played, you know, like you said, teams like Brighton, teams like Southampton, you know, I think they're like any any club that's more of like a lower table club. Um I don't think that's really the case under Moyes, man. I don't think that it's Moyes doesn't get the tactics right. I don't think that it's the players don't have their head in the game. I think it's when we play a team like Arsenal, they they play their game plan and we kind of play to disrupt that game plan, right? Whereas when we play a lower level team like Palace, like Brighton, we play our game plan and they play specifically to disrupt us. I don't look at Palace and, and see 
like uh, I don't see a, a plan that is like Palace's style of play, right? Other than get the ball to Zaha, right? Like that was their their game plan for the last several seasons. Brighton's kind of the same way. It's just they they have the maybe root one ball over the top, and and that's supposed to be their their presence. Whereas for us, you know, we now, especially we high press, we counterattack, we try to win the ball back quickly, you know, play the balls out to the wings, cross into the box. Um, now we have the threat of actual, you know, interchangeable passing up into the box to really get a striker in on goal to try to beat the offside trap. So, uh, you know, I anticipate us to continue to perform well against the bigger teams, but I do think that we will tend to struggle against the smaller teams uh, unless our game plan plays out like we did against Leicester, where just it happens to work, and we're hammering in more goals than we're conceding. You know, I, I think you bring up some good points. I really think the reason we struggle against teams like that is because I think the players that we bring in, they play up for those games against Liverpool, Man United, Man City, Arsenal, I think they play up for that because that's the mentality. They want to showcase themselves in those games to get a move somewhere else. That's what I've always thought. A guy like Dimitri Payet, say. A guy like Diafro Sacco. Um, they play up in these big games because that's where they're going to make their mark. They know they're going to have the most eyeballs on them. Um, what I, The reason I think that we've struggled up lately is because we're young. Like, that's just my opinion. Like, I think we're young, and I think David Moyes is purposely going out getting players now that are not in it for anything more than to be a part of something. Like, you know, you go get a guy like Saeed Benarama. You'll get a guy like Jared Bowen. Um, you keep a – you know, let's be honest, one of the best moves made in the transfer window that we're going to get into was maintaining Declan Rice. You know, the retention of his services has been absolutely massive. And, you know, this may be his last year. We've hinted at that. And we're, I think most West Ham fans, um, as much as they don't want to see it happen, I think that you you have to prepare for the worst, you know, just out of cure, you know, just to protect your own heart. You know what I mean? So yep. when I look at this thing, like I, I think West Ham United struggle because of the type of player they're bringing in. And I think that they're starting to see those games that we would lose to Palace turn into draws. And if those are turning into draws, then we're saving points. And that's why I think we finished with so many points last year is because West Ham United were going out there and doing what they were supposed to be doing. Don't get me wrong. You know, we had that draw against Brighton that really hurt. But yeah. the reality of the situation is, Liam, This the mentality of this team is only getting better and they're just young. Like that's the way I look at it. They're the very young squad um, that I look at. There's some sprinkled veterans in there, but you know, our core guys, the guys we're counting on outside of Antonio, I I'm pretty sure they're all under 26, 27. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a much younger squad than probably we've almost ever had because you got to think about it. A majority of the times, when we were bringing in these bigger name players like your Chicharitos, your your Andy Carrolls, you know, these guys were usually past their prime, right? More in the twilight of their careers. So we weren't bringing in young, hungry talent. So like, yeah, maybe you have that veteran experience or leadership, but you also have that veteran ego. And I think that's something that has plagued, you know, you and I talk, uh, spoke about this ad nauseum uh, at, at, the, at the end of the Pellegrini era, right? Where 
it was kind of a rotten locker room. You know, people didn't trust the manager. Uh, and I think it were it was too many egos at play. And now I think when you have younger guys that you alluded to it before, that they have something to prove, especially when it is against these big name clubs, I think they're more willing to fight together instead of against each other. Um, but you've got to give credit where credit's due, man. Like Moyes and his backroom staff have definitely got these guys all firing on on all cylinders. And having the presence of Mark Noble, and maybe, yeah, he doesn't have the, the minutes on the pitch, but he's there in training. Like, he's there in the locker room. He's there on the bench. Um, you know, it was uh, uh, Pablo Fernals recently spoke, I want to say, in an interview where uh, there I can't remember what game it was, but... I think it was like one of the first ones that Fornals came on as a substitution player and Moyes turned to Noble and was like, hey, do you think I should bring on Pablo or somebody else? And Mark said, no, he's ready. Put him on. And like Fornals like scored a goal that game or something like so little things like that where Mark is there to be the voice of reason sometimes or to be the voice of the team. They need that. And they they need that type of veteran leadership that people like Mark Noble, like uh, uh, Angelo Ogbonna, like that's even Craig Dawson, like that's what they bring to this team. So while we are trending younger, it is important to maintain those veterans so you have that that sense of leadership. Because even someone like Declan, he can be a commanding presence on the pitch, but he just doesn't have the experience like a lot of these other players have. He'll get there. He's just not there yet. You know, it's interesting. You talk about David Moyes and his backroom staff and the evaluations that he made, the players he's brought in. He hasn't missed many times. And I think he did it again, Liam. <laughs> I think he did it again. Let's get into transfers. The best part. Uh, this is one of the best, most exciting deadline transfer days West Ham's had since probably bringing in, you know, Carlos Tevez and uh, Javier Mascherano. Like, I mean, like, think about it. Like, that is literally, it was that exciting. My phone's blowing up. I'm a teacher. I'm standing in front of my class trying not to check my phone too much like an idiot. I'm, I'm just beside myself when I see the names that are coming across my phone. Um, obviously the Kurt Zuma deal was done a few days prior, but on deadline day, Velasic, um, from CSK Moscow comes in yep. and, and the countrymen, we now have three checkmates, three of them. <laughs> okay. Crawl has uh, made an appearance, a player that they were very high on going into the Euros, did not perform so well in the Euros, but now will be donning the claret and blue. And credit to David Moyes. He got him on a pretty good deal, a loan-to-buy option. So it looks like it's a pretty good bit of business there. Um, don't know if he's going to be a come in and be a starter, but he definitely provides a lot of cover for Suchek and Declan Rice. Um, and then obviously Areola came in. Um, there was a few guys coming out. I will get to that. But those those three names that I just gave you, Zuma, Vlasic, and Kral, none of them are I, – I don't think any of those names are, you know, Dirk Diggler status with neon lights around them <laughs> and everybody wants to see it. But those are all really good footballers. You know, yeah. um, and when you kind of look at this situation – Obviously, we know that we had to get a deeper squad because we do have Europe. And I think that a guy like Crawl is a guy that's clearly going to be in for Europe. But Velasic, I mean, that guy, that guy is a very dangerous player. Very, very good. Mm -hmm. Hell of a job finding a final pass. Been watching highlights of him the past 48 hours. Yeah. Cannot, cannot lie to you. 
And Kurt Zuma, incredible locker room guy. I think he's a very talented defender. He's a little longer in the tooth. We understand that. He spent a long time at Chelsea. But the reality situation is those three guys that West Ham have brought in, that is a great bit of business. Um, I, I was elated beside myself. I called you and was so <laughs> excited to, to say what a freaking transfer window for West Ham United. But I, I, I got to know, like, Liam, you didn't even really, I didn't give you much time to talk because I was just going on one. <laughs> but what are your thoughts on this transfer window for West Ham United? So I, I got to hold my hand up on this one, man, because I was definitely a very vocal person, at least on social media, about my displeasure of us not doing business in a timely manner, uh, especially since comments made by David Moyes was that he wanted to do the business early so he could integrate these players into the squad in a timely manner and then be able to to fire on all four cylinders once the season started. And I I really felt like this was going to be to the detriment to of our team is that we weren't going to be able to bring in players uh, and the ones that we brought in were not going to be brought in with sufficient time to integrate into the squad. Uh, I got to eat crow on that one because uh, one, we kicked off the season in a blaze of glory. The fact, like we said before, seven points in three matches. I mean, that's, that's unheard of <laughs> for this type of squad. But then the bodies that we bring in you know, Kurt Zuma, which, you know, fair play to Moyes uh, and really to Sullivan as well in that in that regard, you know, playing off Mitrovic right over in uh, Fiorentina and, and trying to uh, play one off of the other to try to get a better deal, waiting until the final days of the window to really make sure that those wages came down. I mean, basically, we got Kurt Zuma for like 28 million. So I think the the biggest thing to kind of look at for these guys is is the ages, right? So maybe not so much like what we spent. So you know the twenty eight mil or the twenty five mil or for Alex or for Alex Crawl even for that one, I think it's right now it's a loan with the option to buy at about twenty one million. Uh, Alphonse Ariola, same thing, uh, loan option to buy from PSG for about thirteen million. So there is a decent amount of money that couldn't be spent um, overall. But look at the ages. Kurt Zuma, 26, going on 27. Nikola Vlasic, 23, going on 24 next month. Alex Kral turned 23 earlier this year. Alphonse Areola, only 28 years old. And for a goalkeeper, that's young. Like, you look at um, uh, uh, Fabianski, dude, like, he's my age. He's like 37, 38. So when you <laughs> when you think about, like, the, the years you can have with a high-quality keeper like that, I mean, that's that's huge. And you alluded to it earlier, having Alex Kral as that uh, defensive cover in midfield that now we can have, you know, competitive players when it's uh, cup match games, whether it's Carabao or whether it's FA Cup or, you know, maybe when we're playing the the smaller teams, right, in uh, in Europa. Like, this is where you can have guys like Mark Noble. You can have Alex Kral come in and let Suchek rest, let Declan Rice rest. And, you know, if it start, if the game starts to get cagey, then you can bring those guys in. And can you imagine playing Europa League or FA Cup and having Declan Rice as an off-the-bench sub? I mean, that's going to be huge. Like, that, that the other team basically looks at that and goes, okay, yeah, we're done. <laughs> like, just yeah, give up. I mean... Look, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's some of the best business that we've seen, and we bought youth. It's clearly David Moyes' team now. Um, I think on transfer deadline day is the big moment in the boardroom where David Moyes probably came in there, threw his manager badge down, and said, look, we're going to get these players. We're going to get them today. And they got them done. And I think that if this team go out there and perform, you know, with the threat of the takeover that everybody's talking about – if this board want to keep the club, if that's their ultimate goal, 
And even though we've all said that we think they're in this for the money, but if they want to prove us all wrong, they'll start putting money into the club. Well, step one happened on transfer deadline day. They went out and they picked out some really good players. Now, I we we cannot ignore this. There was one notable transfer that did not happen, and we have to go into it here. Jesse Lingard did not join West Ham United on a permanent deal or a loan deal on transfer deadline day when there was, I mean, there, it it's like we have been playing tag with him ever since he left and returned back to Manchester United. Yeah. So just like Jesse Lingard, what he did for West Ham United and the amount of games that we had him for, I mean, he was Lionel Messi. He was like, he was just unstoppable. Um, he was enjoying his football. He looked, he looked really good in the Claret and blue. It's, it was puzzling to me why he even wanted to have any time back at Manchester United, no matter what, you know, Ole Gunnar Sokas, whatever the hell his name is, no matter what he ever says, um, Sokas, Sokas, what I'm going to call him, what, whatever that guy says, reality is he's not in your plans. Stop saying that he is. You can just look at the transfers, Manchester United. You can say one thing, but actions speak louder than words. Jesse, I'm just a little disappointed that you didn't make a bigger stink to get to East London and come don the Claret and Blue and just make your brand grow. And I, I I don't get it. So overall, am I disappointed we didn't get Jesse Lingard? Yes. Do I think we absolutely needed him? Honestly, no. I don't think we needed him. I would have liked to have him. Because in that short amount of time, he was on club legend status there for a little bit. Like he was just making everything look good. But, you know, Liam, when you look at the situation with Jesse Lingard, I think it was a want. It was not a need. I think we can say that. But what were your thoughts on that? Obviously, I think you and I are in agreement. We didn't think it was going to happen. But uh, what were your thoughts there? No, I mean, I think I think you you're you're right in in the fact that we we could have used Jesse Lingard but i think where we how do i put this where we ended with him was was really nice right like where we started with him was was amazing because he bagged those two goals against villa like first game out right but where we ended with him his production wasn't quite as um prevalent as what he did earlier on in in that during his loan spell at, at west ham and what I think kind of was interesting is going into this season and really seeing how he performed those first three games, I would almost say Jesse Lingard needed West Ham more than West Ham needed Jesse Lingard. And with with that kind of being the case, he sort of becomes surplus to, to, to the squad. I mean, yeah, he would definitely get minutes. I don't know if I start him, though. Like, I wouldn't... The, the only change I'm making to the team right now is Kurt Zuma for Craig Dawson. Uh, like I'm probably not changing anybody else, and especially in the outfield players. But I, I mean, I'm I'm not going to bring Lingard in and drop Bowen, even though Bowen doesn't have a goal or assist. Like he still uh, made his presence known on that right hand side, and he has that chemistry with Ben Rama, with Fernals, with Antonio. That yeah, I think Jesse and Antonio had good chemistry last year. I don't feel like Antonio had quite had the same chemistry with like Ben Rama, Bowen, and. Um, and for now, so I I wouldn't really change anything up top, um, and I'm I, you know I'm probably putting my my foot in my mouth on this one, but I think that Jesse did a service for us that was great, but 
I think sometimes we forget we were in fourth place when we brought him on. We finished in sixth. So if anything, he actually made our team worse. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, wow. no, 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 not at all. No, no, not at all. I'm, I'm just, I'm being facetious. No, I, I think he he helped keep us where we were, but um, I, I don't look at Jesse Lingard and say this is a must-have player. This was definitely something that would have been nice to have. I think that he enjoyed his time over there, but at the end of the day, I get it. They got Cristiano Ronaldo. That was like a childhood hero of his or, or whatnot. So the opportunity to play at Manchester United, his childhood club, with a player that he looks up to, I understand not wanting to pass that up, even if you aren't going to be a starter, if you are only going to get five minutes here, 10 minutes there, maybe 30 minutes in a cup game or 60 minutes in a cup game. Like, that's all That's all well and good, but I understand. And he knows this is his last season with the con- you know under his current contract with Manchester United. So maybe he just wants to see out this year and then maybe come to East London after. Maybe he sees out the next couple months and maybe conversations change in the January transfer window because at that point, he's only going to have a couple months left on his contract. So there may be opportunity for us to sign him on far less money. But we were offering 15 mil. The club uh, um, valued him more at 25 and there was no way we were going to pay that kind of money for a 29-year-old that's in the last year of his contract. Yeah, I mean, and you hit the nail on the head. I think the best point that you made was the fact that if he does come on, who's he starting over? I mean, that's the I don't I wouldn't put him over Benarama. I wouldn't put him over Fornals. I wouldn't put him over Bowen. Um, what Antonio's form is. So if he comes in, he's he is surplus. Um, but we I'll be honest with you, I kind of said that last year and he came in and he started in his second game with the club, and then we saw what it was. So uh, you know. I'm going to trust, I'm going to put all my my faith in Moyes. If Moyes didn't do whatever it took to get him, then Moyes has got a plan. Um, and I'm going to trust in that plan. But I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, the final bit of transfer news that I want to go over here is the retention of Declan Rice. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's, a, that's a big deal. Um, I do know that the rumors were flying around that part of the Lingard situation was going to be um, offering Lingard and cash for Declan Rice. Um, we know that in the defensive midfield, if Manchester United have a weakness, that's where it resides. Um, so we know that Declan Rice is definitely the apple of their eye, a player that they are definitely looking at and I'm sure are going to come in in January, if not the next offseason. Um, at some point, West Ham United are going to see a massive bid come in for Declan Rice. To my knowledge, there has been inquiries, no official bids for Declan Rice yet. So um, the club. I think values Declan around a hundred million, which I think every West Ham fans like, yep, that's what he's worth. Um, <laughs> what do you think is the valuation of Declan Rice and give me a percentage in your opinion of his likelihood to be a hammer next year after this season? You know, I think it's a, uh... I think it's kind of up to Declan, right? Because when you think about it from a club standpoint, I I want to say they have him signed till like 2024. So I think he still has like another three years on his contract. So West Ham's under no obligation to buy, to sell him, right? It's j- just because a club comes in with a number, even if it is meeting the number that we ask, we have no obligation. Like, it's, it's not like we have to sell the player at that point. I mean, obviously, you never want to get back into the, you know, Paul Ince or, or Dimitri Payet or Marco Arnautovic situation where the player is forcing the move. Um, 
But by the same token, it's we don't owe Manchester United a damn thing. And really, if we wanted to sell Declan Rice, I'd sell him overseas. I wouldn't sell him to another Premier League club. I would sell him to Real Madrid. I would sell him to Barcelona. I wouldn't sell him to another England club so we don't have to fight against him. You know, because we know what Declan Rice brings to the table. I mean, that's not to say that Real Madrid don't turn around and immediately loan him out to Man City or Man United or something, but we have no control under that. But we do have a control over who we sell him to. I mean, what's his name? Maguire got sold for, what, 80 mil? I rank Declan Rice higher than Harry Maguire. Uh, Christian Pulisic, I want to say he was like, what, 70 mil from Borussia Dortmund to, to Chelsea? I definitely rank Declan Rice higher than Christian Pulisic, so... Yeah, I don't think 100 mil is that far off. I'd say if you want to pull it down to more realistic numbers, yeah, maybe 85, 90 million. But we value him at 100 million because we don't want clubs to meet that asking price. You saw what happened to Jack Grealish. He had a $100 million or 100 million pound clause in his contract, and City activated the, the sell on for that by paying 100 million. Now they don't have money for Harry Kane, but I mean, it is what it is. But yeah, I, I, for me, I think that Declan sees out the rest of his contract. Um, if he leaves earlier than that, I won't be surprised. But I think he does recognize what Moyes is trying to build here at West Ham. And I think he would rather be part of that than just be another guy in a bigger club. What about your, What about you, Tex? What are your thoughts? I, I think the valuation is correct. I don't think anybody else sees it than West Ham fans and West Ham United. Um, because I think it's very clear that even in the England national squad, I don't think they even realize how valuable he is. Uh, you know, Garrett Southgate pulled him off the field multiple times in the 65th, 75th minute of the Euros, and it was puzzling why he was going to do that. Um, I think that in of itself uh, tells you how everybody else views him. I think they look at him as a good player when we all know he's a great player. So I don't budge on the evaluation, but I understand why somebody may think because it's that stigma of, oh, well, you, you play for West Ham United. And, you know, it's kind of the same thing with Dimitri Payet. You know, it, with all the things Dimitri Payet did, even in the Euros, there was still that narrative, well, he only plays for West Ham. Yeah. And so it's just kind of one of those things that West Ham, because we have not been a consistent um, force in the Premier League, we've kind of been up and down, been relegated uh, a few times. And so we're in the situation where, our club, you know, reputation doesn't match the player is what's happening. And this is what I'm afraid of. Is Declan Rice going to get too big for West Ham United? And that's yeah. my big fear because the reality is no matter what we say, and we love this club, we both bleed claret and blue. Our friendship is based on West Ham United. That's how we became friends. And so – we know what this club means to you and I, and it's, you know, we are fucking massive. That's what we say mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. um, does Declan feel that way? And I'm going to be honest with you, Liam. I'm in a no way, shape, or form am I trying to shit on Declan Rice. I love Declan Rice. I love everything he's done. But let's not forget, this is the same guy that switched his allegiance from Irish to English to play for the English national team. So I think at the end of the day, and this, I'm not trying to say this, but Football is a business. It is. And Declan Rice wants his brand to be as big as it possibly can be. Do I think he loves West Ham United? Absolutely, I think he does. I, I think he looks at West Ham as the team that saw him for what he really is and allowed him to grow into the player that he is today. 
But if you're Declan Rice, you want to be playing on the biggest stages. And if West Ham can't provide those big stages, then I I could totally see him leaving after this season. I I firmly believe in my heart, and I and I'm not trying to put pressure on the club. But if we don't make Champions League, I think he's gone. And I think yeah. he's going to go to a club that has those games because he wants to test his medal as a footballer against the best in the world. And I, I cannot fault him for that. I cannot. You know, if we make Champions League and Manchester United somehow does not and he wants to leave to go to Manchester United, then I would be pissed at Declan Rice. That's when I would be upset. But if we finish fifth and Man United win the league, which I think they have a legit shot to do, and he wants to leave the fifth-place team for the first-place team, I can't fault him because we cannot offer the Champions League that I know that he desires. You know, we did a big step by getting Euro, and we got the European uh, tournament this year, but the reality is that that's what I see with Declan. I, as much as I would love to see him stay, I do believe at the end of the day that Declan's going to take care of Declan, and I don't fault him for it. In no way, shape, or form am I trying to say that's a bad thing. I, I am very hesitant to buy player kits. I bought a Declan kit this year. Why? Because I want to make sure I've got one and a jersey he wore for West Ham United before he leaves. And I'm not saying that as an omen. I'm just saying <laughs> I really hope that I get to buy more Declan Rice kits um, because I love the fact that he's our captain out there. I love the way he leads the squad. But the reality is, man, I... Declan's going to Kate Terry Declan. That's just my opinion. So let's stop talking about negative things, Liam. Let's, let's get into some good <laughs> stuff here. Okay. Um, Mikhail Antonio is now the all time premier league leading scorer for West Ham United. We know that he's not the all time leading scorer for West Ham. I don't even know who that guy is, but he's got like 230 goals, but Mikhail Antonio now has, I believe 51. I think he has 51 goals for West Ham United. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it's 51. I could be wrong. I think it's 50 because he was he was at 47 going into the uh, Leicester game, so he scored the 48 to beat Paulo Decanio, 49 to really seal that win home, and then the one goal against Palace puts him at a flat 50. So it was funny that his goal 53, celebration yeah, 53. So 50 was the uh, chicken wings. <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty funny. He did the Nolan. He did the <laughs> Nolan celebration for the chicken wings. So yeah, so fifty goals, uh, which is huge, right? Huge for for a player that really, I'd say, what maybe last year was when we finally established him as like a striker. Uh, if and you he look, sixty two goals since. I mean, it's been incredible. Yeah, right, pretty much. But you look at um, you look at the video that West Ham had posted on social media that it recaps his goals. Dude, they're ugly. Like he does not score beautiful goals. Like go back and watch like his very first goal that he ever scored and it was like a ricochet off of him that goes into the net. Like he's not that dude that scores like these Dimitri Payet-esque goals, right? But they're hard-fought battling goals. Like every goal that he scores, he works so hard for it. So, um, I mean, I'll take that, man. I'll, I'll take that all day, every day to have a, a striker that, you know, maybe he doesn't have the finesse of a Messi or the grace of a Cristiano Ronaldo. But, I mean, as long as the ball finds the back of the net, do we really give a shit how it gets there? I mean, I don't. No, I mean, I, this this guy, 
has been brilliant for West Ham United. He went through a little spell there where he thought he was a little too big for the club. Obviously, we outlined earlier in the show, Crystal Palace was a team I think he wanted to go to. Uh, West Ham decided not to sell him because I think West Ham knew that that's not a guy you want to face. (laughs) He causes a lot of problems. Uh, He's not a club legend. He scored 79 goals for the club. Um, He's on his way to 532 it's the greatest player of all time. Um, if you can't figure it out, I'm just keep increasing his number because I love this guy. I love what he's been for the club. I love ever since he bought into West Ham United, committed his future to us. He has been a you know he's been a locker room guy. He he gives the best interviews by far in Sky Sports. Let's be honest. There's nobody else they should interview. It doesn't matter if Liverpool and Man City are playing. They should interview Mikel Antonio after the game. He's by far the best. His celebrations are the best. Um, You got to love this guy and what he means to the club. And I think, you know, he's he's happy. He's um, playing great football. Um, At this current moment, he is the best striker in the Premier League. And so hold that hat. I don't know. don't worry though, he won't win Premier League Player of the Month. Don't worry, he won't. Um, they'll give no. it to somebody that you know is a top six club. Probably Sun will get it. I bet money Sun gets it. Um, no, it'll be uh, Mason Greenwood. Oh fuck, God. Yeah, this is just you know, Mikel Antonio. You're our boy. You're our Premier League Player of the Month. We're gonna go ahead and say that right now. No. Um, so obviously Mikel Antonio breaking records, doing great things. West Ham United in good form. We do have to acknowledge this before we get into the end of our show here. Lucas Fabianski is conceded in every single game. In three yep. games, I believe he's conceded four goals. Um, five. The, oh, five. I pardon me. Yeah, because two two against Palace and Newcastle, one against Leicester. Yeah, so he scored five goals. That's even worse than I initially thought. So we have to ask the question: Is Lucas Fabianski on his way out, especially with Alfonso Ariola sitting on the bench? I mean, it, it's tough to gauge, right? Because it's still early in the season. I mean, yeah, Fabianski's a year older, you know. Um, his reaction speed probably isn't the same as as what it was in, in the last season or even the season prior. But I really looking at the two Gallagher goals, man, like I got to put that on Dawson more than than Fabianski. The first goal, that, that was just an awkward scramble in the box. Gallagher kind of gets Dawson to take uh, one step too shallow and then he's able to slot it home. The second one, same thing. He kind of dances in the box, and and Dawson just can't keep with him. You know, if anything, it almost reminded me of how San Maximan had Declan on strings in the first, in the very first match uh, against Newcastle, and he was able to get the cross off to um, uh, to Callum uh, Callum Wilson. But I think same thing. I want to say Dawson didn't track Wilson in the box properly. I mean, Ogbonna didn't as well. So I, I I, really want to say that some of these goals, man, it's more up to the center backs. I don't even think Ogbonna's been like this brick wall that he usually is back there. And I wonder in part if it's just he doesn't partner with Dawson as well as we probably hope. Because remember last season when, when Ogbonna was off, Dawson was partnered with Diop. So it wasn't even Ogbonna and Dawson is like the 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 two stalwarts back there. So I am I am more interested in seeing how Kurt Zuma shores up the back line, and if that kind of helps, uh, you know, uh, strengthen the defense in a way that Fabianski doesn't uh, doesn't feel hung out to dry on these goals. But I also kind of feel like Ariola needs to be given a chance. 
Uh, he was absolutely massive for Fulham last season. Uh, I think giving somebody like that a chance and allowing him to to showcase his ability on the pitch, I think is going to be hugely mon- monumental for him, especially since this is a loan spell. Like This is the opportunity to show whether or not he's going to be a good fit for the squad. So for me, he's French. Kurt Zuma is French. I put them both out there. I, I, I would actually probably change it up because it's Southampton. Uh, give Fabianski a rest and then, you know, put Fabianski in the game after. But I'm interested to see what you think because I was, you know, uh, I think we were both saying initially we, the only change we'd probably make to the starting 11 would be Kurt Zuma for Dawson. I I, I agree. I, I don't think the goals are on Fabianski. You already took everything that I was going to say. You got to stop reading my notes, number one. <laughs> but um, really, I mean, I agree with everything. I don't have much to add other than this. Um the goalie always looks bad because the goal goes on him. Everybody knows that. But the scramble goal that, I mean, the fact that Gallagher even got a foot on it to get it in, kudos to you. The other one, you don't, I mean, you say it all the time we're watching. You don't stab. You don't stab. And what did Craig Dawson do? He immediately stabbed to try and stop. And he created, and look, a kid, a kid like Gallagher, he's on, Chelsea own him for a reason. We saw the class that he has. You give a guy like that an opportunity and make that kind of mistake, that the shot from that close range is pretty tough to save. You yeah. know, the the best goalies in the world are going to struggle with that one. You know, um, I'm not saying they won't save it, but look, Fabianski is a good goalkeeper. Um, he's a world-class keeper in my opinion, but he's on the low end of that list. I'm not going to put him, you know, with the Neuers or the Allisons. You know, I'm not going to do that. So I'm not going to tell you that my guy is as good as those, but I'm going to tell you my guy ain't too fucking shabby and he's a pretty good player. And so I just think that at the end of the day, you know, Dawson, we, we got a lot out of him, but there's a reason that Dawson was let go from his club. There's a reason, you know, we got him on a great run of form. He was having a hell of a time. You know, Dawson's a guy that you can bring in late to a game. If you're getting a ton of set pieces, Income in because he's very dangerous on that end, but he's a little bit of a liability on the other end. And we know that, you know, and don't forget, we have some pretty good competition at center back. Now Diop is there another Frenchman. I think Diop is not, I think Diop will at some point be a surefire starter for West Ham United. I believe yeah, that. Agreed. So, you know, Dawson is the odd man out. He's always been the odd man out. Why is he starting? Because of what he did last year. You know, he, he earned that right. But uh, you hit the nail on the head, man. It, it, Fabianski, he is not making mistakes like Carius made for Liverpool. He's not <laughs> right. doing that. So at the end of the day, you know, Fabianski, the, the Polish machine, keep doing your thing, bro. Because, you know, just like we always say at the pub with the Fresno Irons, World War II never starts if Fabianski was born in 1941. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't happen. You know, he's going to keep the Germans out. We all know that. So that brings us to the close of our show here. Um, we're going to get into our yellow and red card. Everybody's favorite part. Well, next week we'll preview the next match. So don't don't worry. We'll give you our thoughts. Me and Liam have to fight a little bit more about it before we do. Of course. Um, so time for yellow and red cards. Liam, hit me with your yellow. 
So my yellow goes to us as West Ham fans. Maybe not you and me specifically, but West Ham fans in general. One, I think we were all losing our shit this entire transfer window. And sometimes you just have to trust the process. You have to be patient. You know, I kept seeing like, oh, dithering Dave, you know, Moises waiting too long. He's letting all these things go by. He was waiting for the right people. And as we saw, we were able to bring him in. Now, I get it. We're used to transfer windows sucking and we're used to, you know, being let down a lot of the times in the transfer windows. But so far since Moise has come in, I think he's done splendid. I mean, the, the people he brought in, like Bowen, like Suchek, like Sufal, I mean, these are massive, massive players. And I think that every single one of the people we brought in on this uh, on this window are going to make an impact uh, on this team, and they will battle for starting positions, which is ultimately what we've always asked for, is we want competition because that's what's going to strengthen the squad. So my yellow card, because it's just a caution, I want us all to settle down, trust the process, believe in this team. How about for you, man? Uh, it goes to Craig Dawson. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I give my yellow card to Craig Dawson. The reason why is, dude, you're in a starting spot. You have to play better than you played. Um, we know what you can do on the offensive end of the pitch, but on the defensive end, that's what you're paid for. You know, um, the first, the easiest thing to do in football on a pitch is stop a goal. It's the easiest thing. Hard, it's harder to score one. You need to understand what you're getting paid for. You're not getting paid to score goals. You're getting paid to stop them. And, you know, a guy like Craig Dawson, who is turning into a little bit of a, you know, he's got a, not a club legend, but he's got a cult status, if you will, um, at West Ham United. I, I don't want to see him get benched, but I definitely want him to know that they brought in Kurt Zuma because of what you've been doing, bro. So you're <laughs> going to have to start stepping up and, and see it because I'm not going to lie. I like Craig Dawson on the pitch. I like his fight. I like the way he plays. I like his, I'm just going to go balls out for every single ball. I love that mentality out of him, but the reality of the situation is I'm giving you a yellow card because you're getting a little too comfortable and you always have to have that edge. And I think he's losing it. All well, right. think about think about the Newcastle the second time we played Newcastle last season, and he goes in on that challenge at midfield and just straight red. And you're like, come on, dude. Like it's yeah, so early in the game. What are you thinking? Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, Craig Dawson, you know, he plays with his heart, not his head. Let's be honest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, time for our red cards. I'm going to go first on this one, Liam, since you got the yellow card first. My red card goes to Jesse Lingard <laughs> without question. Um, I outlined it earlier. Jesse should have made a bigger stink to get out of there. He should be wearing Claret and blue right now. I know we don't need him, but we definitely want him. It's going to make everybody feel better to see him be out there. And to be honest, he's going to push everybody in that attacking force to not lose their job. And David Moyes and him have a chemistry we know what Jesse Lincoln can do. And the way we're trying to play right now with this counterattacking football, is there a better player to have than Jesse Lingard with the speed that he has? Look, Jared Bowen is good, but Jared Bowen doesn't have the skills that Jesse Lingard does on the ball. Although Jared Bowen did look pretty good the other day, so maybe I yeah. could be wrong on that. But the pace that he provides, it just gives us another element of danger, makes every other team in the prim go, oh shit, we're playing West Ham. Um, so uh, my red card goes to Jesse Lingard. Read the writing on the wall, bro. Manchester United don't have you in their plans. If they did, why are they bringing in Ronaldo? Why'd they go get Jaden Sancho? How come you haven't started a game yet? You know, actions speak louder than words. Come on, Jesse. You should be wearing Claret and Blue. Who's your red card? It's funny that you say that because my red card went to Manchester United and their shitty, stupid fans because, one— Man, you, you've been sitting there lying to Jesse Lingard just because you're trying to up the price to try to see if you can gouge out 
West Ham United like you like you did to Leeds when they just picked up freaking what's his face. But the other part of it too is like their fans are so fucking entitled. Like I could not get over the rants, the posts on social media of these little Twitter twats just sitting there trying to trying to feel like they deserve all that in a bag of chips. Guess what? I don't give a fuck if you don't like the fact that we value Declan Rice at 100 million pounds. You know why we do that? So he doesn't go to your shitty-ass club. Go ahead, spend your money on Cristiano Ronaldo. Try to relive your glory days of the past because guess what? It's never going to happen for you again. You're a piece of shit dog, dog crap club. You're the second best club in Manchester. Get over yourselves. You're not going to win the fucking Premier League. You're not even going to win the fucking Carabao Cup. So go ahead, sit down, drink a Coke, have a fucking smile, and shut the fuck up. Don't forget to have a wank. Yeah, um, That right? always makes everybody feel better. Do have to have correct one thing on your reps. It's all that in a bag of crisps. Oh, bag, bag of crisps, crisps. right. <laughs> You think you're all that in a bag of crisps. I don't know if anybody felt it, but there was some venom coming out of Liam right there. Liam, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to ruin it. That was a hell of a rant. Uh, We want to say say thank you so much for listening to American Hammers Radio here as part of the American Hammers Network. Uh, Thank you so much to Tim and Lee for providing us the opportunity to do this lovely podcast for all nine of you listeners. We do love you. And remember, if you ever want to get involved in the show, hit it up on Twitter at at W uh, what is it? A H R W H U. Yeah. A H R W H U. A H R W H U. That's American hammers radios, Twitter. Also, you can hit up any of the Fresno iron social media sites at Fresno irons on all three, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you want to hit up the man, Liam Bright, Liam, tell him how to get in touch with you. Uh, just at Liam Bright on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Oh, he's too fancy for Facebook, ladies and gentlemen. Um, no, I'm on there. I just don't, I don't really do anything. on. Fa- the only other stuff I ever do on Facebook is my audiobook stuff. So, I mean, if you're really into like romance uh, audiobooks, then yeah, definitely check me out on Facebook. But if you're not, then stick to Twitter and Instagram. Oh, I guess this show's taking a turn for the lovely here, but <laughs> uh, once again, uh, it, it's always a pleasure doing this with you. We're going to try to do more studious and uh, get the show out on time every week. We uh, we know that we uh, we heard some criticism come from our own group about the yeah. fact that our, our uh, podcast wasn't up yesterday. They um, threatened to dethrone us. Yeah. <laughs> nonetheless, we do appreciate it uh, for Liam. This is Tex of the Fresno Irons, and we say thank you. And as always, come come on, on, you you irons. irons.